Welcome back to the Goal Line Stand, all football, all the time. Coming to you live from the Michaels Glass Company studios. Michaels Glass Company, 215-338-3293. Tell them that we sent you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at GL Stand Show. Links to this will be in the show notes as well as our YouTube page on the dock. I am joined, as always, by Brett and Brett. I think some congratulations are in order. Oh, thank you. No, not not for you. Not for you. No. Congrats to one Mr. Alex Smith for calling it a career in the National Football League. Now, many people would be like, why are you you're you're saying good congratulations for going away? Look, this guy, we all know the struggles that Alex Smith has gone through over the past couple of years with his ankle, his leg, to come back and play. And now officially just say, look, I'm done. Congrats to him. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was looking into his numbers. He had a 16-year career. He had 99 wins, uh, which he's not a Hall of Famer. But, you know, Eli Manning only had 117. So not that far off. Well, does that does that 117 for Eli Manning count playoffs or no? Yes. So there's there's what? Three very important ones locked in there? Yeah, and Alex Smith only went two and five in the playoffs, but he made three Pro Bowls, uh, led the team to the 2011 NFC Championship game, uh, then got hurt in 2012, ushered in the Colin Kaepernick era, and then he was part of ushering in the Patrick Mahomes era in Kansas City, which is pretty interesting. He is a, a he was a very good quarterback. I, I mean, I think that yeah. that's. He gets a, a raw deal. Now, if you remember when he came out of Utah, it was like he was going to be the game changer. He, this, this, What they were doing in Utah and the way he was running the football was so different. He was going to revolutionize the game. That didn't exactly happen that way, but he was always a very good quarterback. Yeah, I think the other thing you have to take into consideration is he went to a team that was an absolute mess. In the, the 49ers – in you know from 2003 to 2010 they were a disgrace i mean you had um remember when he entered the league they had dennis erickson as the head coach then you had mike nolan and then you had mike singletary so it wasn't until harbaugh and he was injured i think he injured his shoulder and he missed a season so it wasn't until harbaugh came and really straightened him out as a quarterback that you know, he really took off and he became, you know, a very good, look, you make a pro bowl, you're a good quarterback, made three of them. So to his credit, he had a good career. And then some people I think are always going to remember the comeback from the injury and they should, but you should also remember him as a good quarterback. I, I agree with you there. You, you should remember him as a good quarterback. Interestingly enough, the comeback is going to be the story. On social media, people have been advocating that the Comeback Player of the Year award should be named in his honor. I saw that. I, I say not so fast, my friends. But it, Why? Well, there's plenty of players that have come back from, from injury and whatnot, and, and they don't have the award named in their honor. I think this might be – we could probably devote an entire episode we could take a look to this at topic. It. Yeah. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I think this might be the most gruesome 
injury that someone has come back from. Because, unfortunately, after this, the only level of injury that we're really talking about is spinal issues. And no one has really come back to play. To play. Right. We, you know, I mean, fortunately, you have like a Ryan Shazier who is walking to a certain extent, doing certain things, but it hasn't come back to play. Right. So yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's worth ta- it's worth taking a look at. I, I did see Andy Reid came out and said uh, that if anyone's going to, he gets first dibs on Alex Smith from the coaching aspect. Yeah. I wonder if that is going to be Alex Smith's direction in life or what's going to happen here, where if you just take personally, if I'm him, he has a beautiful family after what he's put himself through to get back to the field. I would almost just uh, say, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a pause here. I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to, I'm going to smell the flowers, so to speak. Now he could go back to wearing his San Diego Padres hat without and not, and not getting shit for it. There you go. That was a huge thing when he was in San Francisco. Well, they don't like each other. They're rivals. That would be like yeah. uh, wearing a Dodger cap. You know, yeah. it, it's the lesser of two evils with the San Diego Padres. But still, you know, the, the San Francisco Giants piss me off. They really do. Fuck the San Francisco Giants, okay? Okay. I've, right. I have no... Gabe Kapler and his coconut oil ass. That came off as really weird. He's the manager? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wasn't he the manager for the Phillies? Exactly. Anyway, uh, on this episode of the show, we are going to take a look back at some past drafts for a draft retrospective. Uh, This is going to be pretty fun because just looking at it, oh, man, I got problems with what the Eagles did. And we're also going to take a look at your – uh, dark horses, five dark horses on offense, five dark horses on defense. Last year, you hit on a couple of those, I believe. Did you not? I think I did. I'd have to go back and look and see who they were, but I think I did. And then coming up in the future here next week, three round our three-round mock draft, our draft preview, and then obviously the draft recap. Let's get into it. Our draft retrospective. After consulting with you, we decided to go back what five four years four years now because of the rookie contract yeah initially uh yeah i thought it was five ten twenty that's how i although i just fucked up the math it it was we did four ten we did four four nine and nineteen no but it works out okay it's very good it's it's fine we're we're going back four years because of the rookie Uh, because of the rookie wage scale and where players are on contract yeah, we went back to nineteen, so two thousand seventeen, two thousand and seven, and nineteen ninety seven. This is really going to focus on, as you are a Giants fan and I am an Eagles fan, Eagles and Giants. Uh, so let's get to it. You want to start, or do you want me to start? I, you're no, the, we'll, we'll, we'll let the Eagles go. I, okay. I think we should first mention for the twenty seventeen draft. This was the draft that was held in Philadelphia, and look, we all know I am not an Eagles fan. I have to say, I thought that was the perfect event, and I honestly believe there was something in the, the, the Eagles with the got over well with the football gods that year. That that is true. That is there's true. something. I mean, the Tennessee draft was to me number two ranked, but the something about and, and Mike, I'm sure you remember that the the day one and day two of the draft were like the most gorgeous 
days weather-wise. It was just, it was the coolest scene ever. I, I, I honestly, I don't think you could replicate it. And they should go back to Philly once every five years. I, I agree with you. And here's a, here's the thing with Philadelphia, especially where they put it in the art museum. It's an underrated city, especially from the football standpoint. People people shit on the Eagles fans, and hey, look, right, rightfully so. Okay, like I, I I don't speak for them. I don't. I'm an Eagles fan, but there's a bunch of maniacs out there who give people a bad name, like the idiots who go to a Phillies game and chant and do the Eagles cheer or or chant Fire Howie. In the beginning of a season, when fans haven't been allowed in a building for a year and a half, but nonetheless, the draft ad in Philadelphia on the Parkway, with the stage being in front of the art museum on the lower part of the steps of the art museum, and then that that whole scene is really nice. It's fantastic for, for people who have never people view it as Rocky, right? The Rocky steps. But from the art museum, looking into Center City is one of the coolest just views with people or no people. Yeah. And and kudos to Philadelphia. Like if you're throwing a party in Philadelphia, people are showing up. And, and for yeah. the most part, people aren't going to be assholes. It's just going to be a celebratory thing. And by yeah, there, all there account, were no issues. No, none whatsoever. Yeah. And it does help when you have beautiful weather in that setting. Uh, it was it was perfect. It was as you mentioned. Um, you know, the boulevard, the art museum, that is one of the more architecturally stunning um, streetscapes in all of the country. And so, I mean, it's played host to many events, but this was this was awesome. And, you know, and I'd be the first to admit it. I, I was all in. Now, if they were to do this, so they've done it in, in Chicagoland. Now, Chicago, I think they always have to factor in the weather because of the timing of the year. It's just, they put it in that, in that they did on the Navy Pier, but they had it in that like uh, what do you call it? like a, it was like a dome kind of thing they built. Well, and then also the first two rounds were actually in the theater a few blocks away. It was too disjointed. Yeah, and then they went. I, t Tennessee's was good. Dallas sucked. Dallas was awful because it was in. It had no character. If, if it was, you know what? If it was in downtown Dallas somewhere, it probably would have been a little better. I agree with you. That the yeah. idea is to show off your community, not yeah. your stadium. Nobody gives a shit about Jerry World and one hundred nine thousand seats. Nobody cares that you don't yeah. fill up anyway, unless it's visiting fans coming in. Yeah, uh, Cleveland is this year, so I'm interested in seeing how this is going to go. I haven't seen where are they doing it? Are they doing it near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the waterfront, or did yeah. I didn't see an announcement? So my understanding of the layout there is that the stadium is essentially like down the the pro it's like it's it's adjacent to the Hall of Fame, essentially with the waterfront there, and so they're having a, a dome kind of in between both. I don't think you're really you're not gonna it's gonna be okay, but because of the social distancing and limited crowd, it won't be the same. So I don't think we can completely judge it. I guess they'll go back to Vegas was supposed to be a year ago. Obviously, pandemic prevents that. I'm sure they go back there in the next year or two when they yeah. can fully pack people in. Uh, they're going to do it in front of the casino. All right, it's cool, but are they going to have like a gondola or? A yeah, boat? I think what's the the one from uh, Bellagio from Ocean's Eleven with the fountains? Yeah, Bellagio. 
So. Yeah, they were gonna have like a, a they were gonna have a boat out there, and you were, they were gonna speedboat someone out there. I, I I don't know if they were to do it in New York because the draft forever was New York, right? It was either the guard the, the theater at the Garden or yeah. the, or what the Marriott, I think, the downtown Marriott. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the that's where that's where I think it initially was, and then they did the well. No, it was also Radio City. Oh, I forgot about Radio City. I, yeah. I did forget about Radio City. Yeah. Where would they do it in New York City? It, Central, it, Central Park. That, that was my thought too. Okay, with a similar yeah. scape, but would that would that work? Yeah, I mean, you've had famous because you can't do the Canyon of Heroes because well, it, nobody knows it other than than. Or do you do, can you do Times Square? Would you could you you could cut you could do that right? You could do Times Square. I don't. To me, I think that'd be. It's too crunched. I kind of. I, I guess you would do Central Park. You could probably do. Hmm, trying to think what else you could do. You could probably do something maybe Battery Park, but it wouldn't be as big. So yeah, I would do Central Park. It would be interesting. It would be interesting to see. Yeah, I, you know, but I, I actually a lot of these. In a way, a smaller city actually lends itself, I think. I would agree. What yeah. other cities would you because you and I were we're aesthetic, we're aesthetics people. We like the stupid stuff like this. You know, where else in the league mm-hmm. would you like to see this? Um Pittsburgh? I'm I'm trying to think. I don't really think you could do it because of the layout. Pittsburgh, I love Pittsburgh as a city. Yeah. Uh, going there for baseball games, uh, good pierogies, not the best, good. Sorry, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I'm a Polak from, from the Philadelphia area. Ours are good. Probably better. And if you're from Chicago, don't at me. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh, you can find a way to do it. There's spots to do it. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a weird layout city. Washington, you do it on the mall. You do it on yeah, you could do that. Uh, Baltimore, I don't think lends itself because of the Inner Harbor and no, no one, don't get the pizza. Yeah, don't get <laughs> the sports zone. But they, um, but they have that cool, like when we were there with the marching Colts in between oh, yeah. Camden Yards and the, and the football stadium. Like it is a cool setup, but it, I it's there's not, not enough space. Yeah, you I, you would have to actually. It would probably be one of the other downtown. I'm just going to use the term avenues. That's what it would need to be. Yeah, I don't. I, um, I'm trying to think. I'm staying away from Houston right now. Um, not Jacksonville. No, Miami would be interesting. Yeah, Miami. They'd probably find an interesting spot to do it. Yeah, I'm it, sure. It, they would. I don't think it would be huge, but it'd be South Beach. It would be, you know, something of that nature. Right. Well, I think LA, uh, LA, kind of the same thing. Maybe you do it. You move it out towards the water, that kind of thing. You know, See, if I did LA, you know where I would do it—the Hollywood Bowl. But they're going to do it by the stadium, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're going to show it off. Um, See, like Denver. I don't know. Maybe like downtown Denver. I there might be a. I don't. You know, it's like Tennessee. That's the problem. You'd have to do an AFC South or NFC NFC South. Carolina, Atlanta, downtown Atlanta. I don't know. For the Jets, there is a great spot right near the library on the campus of, Fair, of Fairleigh Dickinson <laughs> University in Florham Park, New York, uh, Florham Park, New Jersey. Perfect. 
Perfect. Yeah, they could go somewhere in, or somewhere in Queens. Yeah. Let's get to it, though. 2017 NFL Draft. I agree with you. The football gods were shining on the Philadelphia Eagles that year. So this is obviously the draft preceding the Super Bowl season with the first pick in the 14th and the first pick, the 14th pick in the first round. The Philadelphia Eagles select Derek Barnett, defensive end, Tennessee. Okay. Well, Derek Barnett is a solid player. The problem, and I've had this since the day the Eagles drafted him, is that he broke Reggie White's sack record in yeah. at Tennessee. Yeah. Well, okay, you broke the record, but you're not him. And I take Reggie White. Reggie White, it means something to me from a personal standpoint. I met the guy a couple times, was a really nice guy. You know, I can tell the story another day. But he was no Reggie White. And it's okay. It was an okay pick. But you, you had anointed Carson Wentz as your as your guy the year before. And, and here you are, opportunity strikes in the first round. You don't even you don't even get a, a weapon. No, um, you don't. Obviously, for that year it didn't really matter. It seemed to work out for you guys. Um he really was kind of quiet that year, though. And this was the Sam Bradford pick, right? Uh, I think it was, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. So that's uh, – that might have been the Eagles pick. I, I don't remember. I don't remember the, the scenario around why they picked him. But there were guys around there. That, and that's the other thing. They, they needed help elsewhere, right? So obviously you're not going to take Deshaun Watson. Hassan Reddick goes right before him. So maybe that was – they were looking that way. Just uh, it, it's a scenario here where you probably could have tried to help your quarterback. That's a there it is. It's that that's the story in Philadelphia, and they didn't. Well, this was a, the eagle. It was a defensive heavy draft. It was a defensive heavy draft. Uh, a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of defensive ends going early in the draft. Not man, not much on the receiver front. Sure, you can go back and look at it and say, oh, there were guys there, but. It, you're 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 projecting into the second round now. Yeah. Let's talk Eagles second round pick, 43rd overall, Sidney Jones, cornerback, Washington, would have been a first round pick. However, he injured his Achilles in his pro day. He's playing really really well for Jacksonville right now. He's he became a player. He didn't pan out in Philadelphia. Shockingly, this is going to be the story of any Eagles draft we talk about from then to now. Is you got a guy? I actually don't mind the pick because you could have gotten a first round talent if he was healthy. Yeah, I don't think he was coached up in Philadelphia. No, he, he you know, and sometimes it just takes a guy a little bit longer physically to recover. And by the time he recovered and then mentally, it just it didn't click for him in Philly. Third round pick, 99th overall, Rasul Douglas, cornerback, West Virginia. A good pick. That's an okay, yeah. that's a good pick. Nothing, not, not used properly in Philly. Again, it, it, it it's really remarkable that the, the story of this, I and mean, we could do it for the 18, the 19, and the 20. Uh, fourth round, 118 overall, Mac Collins, wide receiver, North Carolina. The idea being that he was going to replace Deshaun Jackson as the speed guy. He's gone. I thought he was going to be good. I thought he was going to be. I he thought flashed. He was and he was a good special teams player early yeah. on too. So I thought he was going to be that guy who would who Philadelphia would have loved, right? He'll, yeah. he'll he'll make some plays on special teams. 
He'll turn around, he'll catch a touchdown or two. Had speed. Yeah. Again. Made a few big plays for you that did. year, though. But then he's gone. I, yeah. This, I question why, right? Like, what happens? Did he get hurt? Yeah, he did get hurt, but and he never really recovered. Uh, yeah. A good a good pick at the in the fourth round. Uh they had yeah. another pick in the fourth round, 132. The Nell Pumphrey. Stand this guy. Why? What's wrong with the Nell Pumphrey? Because this guy fraudulently owns the NCAA rushing record over Ron Dane now because they now count bowl games bowl and game. conference championship games. Yeah. Ron Dane ran for over a thousand yards in bowl games. They don't count it. Why can't they retroactively count it? They should because it's the NCAA and they're idiots. That's true. Pride of Overbrook High School, Ron Dean. Yeah. Uh, so Danelle Pumphrey didn't even didn't even make fuck, it, didn't even make the squad. Uh, yeah, it's because he's fraudulently holds a record. Uh, fifth round, one sixty six overall. Shelton Gibson, wide receiver, West Virginia. You know he he comes back in here and there. Like I I feel like they sign him to the practice squad. Yeah, but he's got the drops. He's always had the drops. Yeah, he's just there. He's a guy. Like, yeah. Uh, hey, here's, my, here's, here's my your boy. Fifth, fifth round, 184. <laughs> San Francisco, you got yourself a good one that can't cover a tight end. Nate Gary, linebacker, Nebraska. I am of the opinion, and we've discussed it on this program. When you are recruit, when you are drafting or free agent picking from certain positions in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. lineman, linebacker, you you should be okay. You're going to get a player. I'm not saying a starter or a superstar. But someone that can step in and play, Nate Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eagles with their six round pick in 2017, 214 overall. Elijah Qualls, defensive tackle from I Washington. really liked him when you drafted him. It just didn't work. I don't, it, it didn't, didn't work click. Out. No. Yeah. See, and this goes back to where I want, I think, and this is when we can look at this a little bit in depth later on down the line. A lot of these Eagles picks at this point just didn't work out. And why? But they're going elsewhere and they're playing well. Nate Gary, watch. He'll go He'll go to San Francisco and be okay. Yeah, Elijah Claus didn't play anywhere. Though. No, he didn't. But but yeah. you're looking at like uh, Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas. Yeah, I mean, well, I, look, it, when we go through these drafts, you, you see why at different times the Giants or Eagles were either competitive or bad. Well, and, yeah, you know, and I think you're going to see here – this is going to show you why the Giants are in a little bit of a better position, maybe. Well, that the, the 2017 draft's pretty ugly. You got a player in there. Oh, okay. So go to first. It. Yeah, uh, first round, 23rd pick, Evan Ingram, tight end from Ole Miss, uh, who, though making a Pro Bowl this year, which is rather remarkable, can't catch uh, the goddamn football and cost me my fantasy football championship. Son of a bitch. Cost the Giants the NFC East. Uh, second round pick, uh, 55th pick, Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle, Alabama. Guy we talked about a few weeks ago who's, you know, a really solid defensive tackle. And as the tradition holds, the Giants once again let a defensive tackle walk on their second contract. And once again, the Vikings signed him, uh, just like they did Linville Joseph for, uh, what, two years $24, $25 million. He was a solid player. Uh, third round, 87th pick. This is a shit pick. Davis Webb, quarterback, California. Sucks. I what don't even think he's on the roster. Yet. Well, this was so the Giants this 
this is coming off the 16 season where they made the wild card and got blown out by Green Bay. So the thought was, well, Eli's getting older. Let's go all in. But then this is not an all in pick. And it was it, it was sort of like hedging your bet. Oh, we'll take a flyer on this guy in the third. Maybe he's the next Eli. He sucked. He was, he was just really bad. Um, fourth round, Wayne Gallman, who running back from Clemson, filled in admirably last year for Saquon Barkley. He That's right now, eh, I mean, he's, yeah, right now, I, I forget which team he's literally visiting today. The Giants wouldn't even re-sign him. So he's he, he's slower than every, than anything. He's he, he runs hard, but uh, frankly, prior to this year, he had fumbleitis too. So there's that. Fifth round, they took Avery Moss, defensive end from Youngstown State. Frankly, I think the only, and even I as a Giant fan will say, the only good thing from Youngstown State was Jaws. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and then they gave him 91, Justin Tuck's number, and it was like, yeah, he was terrible. And then they traded their, they traded up, so to get in the sixth round, Adam Biznawadi, a Jewish offensive tackle. Uh, I'm Jewish, too, so I'm, I'm not saying this from an anti-Semitic standpoint. I'm just for the audience to, to, to understand. Um, I still have a yarmulke. Yeah, you do. You have my yarmulke from my bar mitzvah. Um, not yours specifically, but the one you gave me to wear into the uh, synagogue. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, so he, I believe they cut him before the season. Um, I, he bounced around the league for a year or two. That was it. So of that, there was literally only one guy left on the roster, Evan Ingram, who is ridiculously coming off a Pro Bowl season that we talked about where he led the team in drops. And there's been talk that, you know, there was talk about him being shopped. Uh, this is really a prove-it year for him. We shall see. I, you know, I, I, I didn't like the pick to begin with. And, yeah, he's soft. He's not a great blocker and he drops the ball real quick run through the top 10 picks of the 2017 draft just for historical reference purposes here cleveland with the first pick miles garrett chicago with the second pick mitchell trubisky oh man uh san francisco with the third pick solomon thomas defensive end jacksonville leonard fournette running back tennessee Corey davis wide receiver uh, Jets, safety, Jamal Adams. The seventh pick, they then lost. Well, I guess they were they in San Diego at that point in 17, the Chargers? No. So the Los Angeles Chargers, wide receiver Mike Williams, never panned out. Never, could never he's not, really. He's okay. He, he's not a top 10 pick. Compared to some of the other people you just named as picks, I would take that pick. I, I would take that pick too. Uh, this one, this one's working out fairly well. Uh, running back. From going to Carolina, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Here's one that didn't pan out. Wide receiver John Ross to Cincinnati. You know where he is. No. He's on the Giants. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. All right. Yep. And this guy, <laughs> this guy, the 10th overall pick in the 2017 draft, he's okay. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. he's. Uh, I think that one worked out for him. Uh, that was supposedly, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Giants' former general manager. Why am I? Why is his name um, Reese? Wanted to trade up for Mahomes, but it was too rich to go up to ten. 
So unless you're the Eagles now, now you can go up to 10 and try and uh, get in front of the Cowboys. Cause you're a bunch of morons and forgot that, you, you know, now you're drafting behind the Cowboys and giants. I digress. Let's take a look at the 2007 NFL draft. I'm going to let the giants go first because they actually had a first round pick. Yep. And this was actually a huge draft for them. This was the draft before the giants super bowl 42 championship. Yeah, you, um, you can see when I was looking over this after you sent this to me, I'm like, oh, all right. This is the, the kind of the, the finishing pieces of, of, so to speak, some of these glue guys that yeah. helped with that Super Bowl. Yeah, so first round, 20th pick overall, Aaron Ross, cornerback from Texas, who went on to start for the 46 team as well. Not Pro Bowl, but solid. Uh, his wife was a gold medalist. So super athletic family. Second round, 51, Steve Smith, wide receiver, USC. This is the other Steve Smith. He was huge in this run. By 2010, he had gotten hurt. In 2011, he was part of the Eagles' dream team. And Nick couldn't – I mean, his it, – it really is a shame with him because his knee, he was just done and he was, you know, never played again. Uh, third round, Jay Alford, defensive tackle for Penn State. Um, he actually was the Giants' uh, long snapper for field goals and extra points that season. Also had a gigantic sack against Tom Brady in the Patriots' last possession of Super Bowl forty-two. Fourth round, Zach Diasi, linebacker, long snapper from Brown, went on to be a multiple-time Pro Bowl long snapper. I actually always wanted to see what he could do at linebacker. They never did that. Fifth round, this was a really big pick for them. Kevin Boss, tight end from Western Oregon. He stepped up uh, when Jeremy Shockey went down and had several good years with the Giants. Sixth round, Adam Coates, offensive tackle, Oregon State. Really didn't do much. Then in the seventh round, they drafted two starters. Michael Johnson, safety, Arizona. Played for a few years for the Giants. was pretty good. But then the fourth pick away from Mr. Irrelevant, number 250, Ahmad Bradshaw running back from Marshall. That is yeah. a great pick. That is a – we could do a whole thing on seventh-round picks. And, yeah. you know, that is – I didn't realize he was a seventh-round pick. I had no idea. So his stock dropped. He was part of a some kind of theft ring in Marshall. They were stealing PlayStations. And uh, that'll do it for you, I guess. Thank thank God. Who, who was the general manager for the Giants there? That was Jerry Reese's first draft. Okay. So he, he, Jerry Reese, and I, I, he's on NFL Network Radio from time to time. Yeah. And I hear him on different radio spots. I really like his draft insights. That's yeah, they're better than some of But he, yeah, I mean, look, he, he hung around. You don't win Super Bowl 42 or 46 without that draft. It's that good a draft. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. When I when when you sent me the complete list, like I was yeah. looking at the Eagle stuff on my own, and you sent me the complete list, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. That's a really good draft. It's a really uh, good draft. Let's go to the Eagles, 2007. They they trade out of the out of the first round, right? I yeah. believe that's what they did here. I'm trying to I'm trying to jog my memory. They traded. Well, back. we didn't watch this draft together because I had to attend a wedding and I was super pissed. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. I was like, uh, Eagles, it, it just totally fucked everything up. The Eagles on the with with the their first pick, so this in the second round, the 36th overall pick, Kevin Cobb, quarterback, Houston. He was going to be the heir apparent. 
to Donovan McNabb. We know what happened. Concussions derailed it. You know, at the time, okay, I guess you got to start planning on moving on. But this was very much like drafting a Jalen Hurts. Like you had a couple more years of McNabb to the point where they even made a run at the NFC Championship game. So yeah. uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, Victor uh, Biamiri, defensive end, Notre Dame, just never really – never. I think out. he got his hype from Justin Tuck, who was drafted in 05 by the Giants, and they were very similar in, in college. Yeah, I mean, like I remember being excited that the Eagles drafted this guy. Always and, was hurt. Yeah, and just never could never put it together. Uh, here's one that I liked in the third round. Uh, Stuart Bradley, linebacker, Nebraska. Again, he went healthy, was really good. The concussions that in that one game against the Packers, where the yeah. Eagles wore their throwbacks. Yeah. You have Kevin Cobb getting driven headfirst into the turf at, at the link, the grass turf. Uh, yeah. Where someone's like, I don't have turf at the link, you jackass. Yeah, I know. And then you have. You have Stuart Bradley making a play, and then like wandering. The, it was scary. <laughs> Dude, it was, the chick. Yeah, he did the chicken dance. It was downright scary. Yeah. Uh, with the 90th overall pick, third for in the third round, uh, running back Tony Hunt, Penn State. That's a bad pick. It's a bad pick. You just don't take. Uh, you don't take Penn State running backs unless it's uh, Saquon Barkley. Even then, you don't take him in the second pick of the draft, but that's yeah, that's yeah. Well, yeah. When we get to that retrospective in a, in a, in a few years, we'll talk about it. Yeah, one fifty nine overall. So we're now in the fifth round. CJ Gaddis, defensive back from Clemson. Did he even play? I think he might have had like one, a couple snaps as from injury time kind of deal. Now yeah. here's a pick that that pans out. This is an A. This is an A plus pick. 162 overall, Brent Selleck, tight end Cincinnati. Everybody knows the, what Brent Selleck was able to do as an Eagle. That's a really good pickup at that point. Yeah. Sixth round, 201 overall, Richard Barksdale, defensive back from Albany, go Great Danes. I got nothing. Isn't he a Jersey kid? He might be. I think okay. he is. I think he's a North Jersey kid. The name rings a bell. Yeah. So, Second yeah. round, 236, uh, defensive back from Hawaii, Nate Ayaloa. It's a cool name. You had one A-plus pick in this draft. That's scary. And that was the run. I mean, that was the, the Eagles drafts. For, for I, Looking back on this, I don't know when we're going to talk about the Eagles really hitting in the past 20 years. Wasn't this draft. No, it definitely wasn't this draft. Uh, a couple of picks here. Let's take a look at – this was a huge, huge draft from the National Football League perspective. Uh, so running it down from the top ten, except for the Raiders. Uh, Oakland. <laughs> Woo. Oakland. Is this Jamarcus Russell? Yeah, Oakland with the number oh, one overall pick, Jamarcus Russell. Detroit that might be one of the worst. Yeah, Detroit was up second. They picked some dude named Calvin Johnson, wide All receiver. Favorite. Cleveland, Joe Thomas. Tampa Bay, Gaines Mobile. Adams, defensive end. Yeah, he's dead. What happened? He died. Oh, uh, I condolences to the family. I don't know. Yeah. Arizona, Levi Brown, tackle. Washington, LaRon Landry. Minnesota, this is a good one. Adrian Peterson. Atlanta, this is, Atlanta picks up Jamal Adams, defensive end Jamal Adams. Excuse me, Jamal Anderson. Miami, oh, yeah, I remember him. 
wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr. That was a weird pick. Yeah, I know he was coming off a huge college career. But that's an odd pick. I remember it being like a what were they doing pick. Yeah, definitely is. And then I'll highlight a couple other ones here. Uh, with the 11th overall. Who, who was 10? Oh, 10. Uh, Amobi Okoye, defensive tackle, Houston. He played for a little while, right? Yeah, a little while. We saw him play. Yeah. He's from Louisville. Oh, yeah. How'd he do that day? Nothing. Sucked. I don't yep. know. Uh, <laughs> he witnessed some pandemonium. Yes, he did. Linebacker, uh, number 11. So let me go. I got number 11 here, San Francisco, Patrick Willis. That's a really good pick. Yeah. Buffalo with the 12th overall pick, Marshawn Lynch. Mm. Here's a good one for Cleveland at, at 22, Brady Quinn. Uh, no? Well, no. you know. Not the, so much. The Jets at 14 take Darrell Revis. Uh, Lawrence Timmons to the Steelers at 15. San Francisco, Joe Staley in okay. uh, at 28. I think that was when – I think they traded with the Eagles. I think that was the first round swap. I thought you traded with the Cowboys. No, I don't think so that year. Maybe Baltimore. I thought you traded down with the Cowboys. Oh, maybe you did. Who, who took Anthony Spencer at 26? The Cowboys. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that is uh, a snapshot uh, of the 2007 draft. Now we're going really, really, really deep. This, yeah, this is a little old school here. Into oh my god, uh, so this is the 1997 National Football League draft. This, 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 this fucking guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, Eagles first round pick, 25th overall. John Harris, defensive end, Virginia. <sighs> you know, didn't have it. No, d- d- did not, did not work out well at all there. Uh, he was to- weird though because he he stayed on the roster for a while. He was on the roster. I did a draft bust for Sports Talk Philly a year ago, yeah. and I'm like, well, I can't really call the dude a bust. He made, he was there. He was making plays. I was defending Mike Mamula at the time, and I still yeah. will. But anyway, a uh, second round overall, a uh, second round, 57 overall, James Darling, linebacker, Washington State. You know, James Darling turned out to be a good player for that Eagles group over that next five years. Nothing special. Was he was good a, on special teams? Though? Yeah, he was a good special teamer. He was a good backup player. He was a – that's an okay pick. Is yeah. it? Is it – Number 57 overall worthy? No, probably not, but it worked for that team. He worked yeah. in Jim Johnson's system. Here is a good one for Eagles fans. 71st overall, Deuce Staley running back, South Carolina. I think that one, uh, I think that was a little bit of a home run right there. That's a really good pick. Fourth round, 119th overall, Damian Robinson, defensive back from Iowa. Couldn't tell you, have no idea. Yeah. Fifth round, 152nd overall, N.D. Kalu, defensive end from Rice. That's not a bad pick. That's a good pick, too. Yeah. That's a good pick, too. Uh, here's one defense uh, in 155, tight end Luther Broughton from Furman. He made some plays, but. Yeah. No. <laughs> Into the sixth round, 190th overall, Antoine Wyatt, running back, running back Bethune-Cookman. I, I don't think he made it outside of preseason. 
198th overall, Ed Jasper, defensive tackle, Texas A&M. I feel like I remember the name. He making, went on to have a career elsewhere. Yeah, I remember him making plays. I just don't feel as though it's for the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, seventh round. This is a good one. For the seventh round pick, yes. 207th overall, Coy Detmer, quarterback BYU. I say it was a good one because he helped save seasons for the Eagles. Yep. And he had an interesting celebration. Yes, he did. The big wiggle. Not to be confused with Norman Smiley's big wiggle. Yes. 225th overall, Byron Capers, defensive back, Florida State. Yeah, got nothing. 227th overall, the DeAntoine Brown, cornerback, Central State, nothing. Yeah. Giants here. Oh, boy. It's actually a decent draft. You think – you say decent. I say that's pretty good. <laughs> so, I think this this draft is why they made the Super Bowl in 2000. I would agree with you. Yeah. So, first round seventh – the only thing with this, this was the, I'd have to go back and look and see who else was drafted. I remember this being, it was the seventh pick of the draft. We drafted Ike Hilliard, wide receiver, Florida. And his rookie year, Dave Brown almost killed him. He broke his neck. Um, I mean, I'm, went I'm, on to have a really good career. We'll talk uh, about it. I'm looking at the, the the top, you know, the top of the board. Yeah. Maybe there's one other guy that you take at that point. Yeah. So, second round. Yeah. Uh, one or two more good years was a future Hall of Famer. Tiki Barber, running back Virginia, as much as I can't stand them, as well as most Giant fans. Third round, uh, Ryan Phillips, linebacker, Idaho, who Go started as a linebacker. Yes, uh, famous Kibby Dome. Started as a linebacker in that 2000 Super Bowl team. Brad Maynard, a punter from Ball State, who was our punter for the next seven, eight years. Was That's a good that. It's you laugh at it. You say a punter in the third round, but he but stayed with the team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fourth round, Pete Monty stayed with the team as a backup. Was a little bit of an under, eh, you know, didn't really work out. Fifth round, Sam Garns went on to be our start, our starting strong safety for the next six years. So that was a really good pick. He was from the Bronx. Sixth round, Mike Cherry, quarterback, Murray State. I was part of the Mike Cherry fan club. I always used to yell, "Put him, Cherry." Naturally. Uh, yeah. And seventh round, Matt Keneally, defensive uh, tackle, USC, uh, no relation to Jim. And <laughs> he, uh, I don't think he made it out of training camp. But there, I mean, there are some good picks there. Yeah. If you, whenever you have the basis for a, a run, so yeah. to, you know, I think that obviously the Giants is better than Eagles. They ultimately culminated with getting to a soup. Well, I guess the Eagles guys did too, but. That's, yeah, some, uh, that's not great. It's not home runs. That's solid drafting. Yeah. I grade each of that as a, I don't know, C, B, B, B. Which draft? Both. Eagles and Giants right there. 97? Yeah. Uh, I would give the Eagles a B minus, Giants B plus. Yeah, right. That sounds about right. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick look at the 97 draft. Number one overall to the Rams, Orlando Pace, Hall of Famer. Good pick. Oakland takes defensive tackle, Darrell Russell. Dead. Seattle takes defensive back, Sean Springs. Baltimore takes linebacker, Peter Bulware, who probably played there for, like, what, 20 years at that point? He was good. I Just a typical – that's a typical Baltimore pick right there. Yeah. Detroit takes defensive back, Bryant Westbrook. 
Seattle with the sixth overall Hall of Famer Walter Jones. Good pick. You have Ike Hilliard. Yeah. The Jets take linebacker James Farrier. Arizona takes defensive back Tom Knight. New Orleans. Ah, Tom Knight. You know where he went to high school? No. Cherokee High School. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay, then. Go Chiefs. Are we still allowed to say that? Well, that's the name of their team. Okay. Uh, New Orleans with the 10th overall, Chris Neal, guard. Neal. I vaguely remember it. Tampa takes with the 12th pick, Warwick Dunn. Kansas City takes a little-known tight end named Tony Gonzalez at 13th overall. You know, looking at the rest of the first round, it, it, it's not – there's names. There's obviously starters. San Francisco takes Jim Drunkenmiller. Uh, uh, you know, Chris Canty, the defensive back. From it Kansas State? You know where he went to high school? No, I don't. Eastern Regional. No, Christopher. Uh, okay. Wow. Two Olympic Conference players drafted in the first round. Yeah, like they, this is like when you say, oh, I, I don't know about the Giants taking Ike Hilliard at that spot. I just remember being a little Retrospectively, bit. would they have taken a, would they have taken Tony Gonzalez? Me, I, I remember being chastised when he was first picked, but he went on to have a decent 10-year career. When I think of giant wide receivers, I'm not saying legendary, but I think of he's a good wide receiver in my mind as an Eagles fan. I think of Brian Dawkins uh, lighting him up at 02 and finishing I, his season. I think of that as well. That was my computer backdrop for a long, long time. Really just yeah. to troll you when, when I would show up in class. Uh, yeah. Let's get to it. We're talking dark horses, seventh round picks. Ahmed Bradshaw, uh, Marshall. We're going to talk your dark horses. So you're going to give us five offense, five defense. Are you putting like a a rule to this? Like, oh, a dark a dark horse is going to be someone that is picked in the what fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, or or no? How how are we doing? Well, some of these guys actually, I think, are are now sort of gaining steam in their draft hype. So my rule was it was no it was anyone who was not in my top five and, and no one who was like a clear six in my positional rankings. That was um, that was sort of my uh, rule for putting together sleepers, because to me, honestly, anyone anyone who's a day three pick. That by, by, you know, the fourth round, you're kind of a sleeper. So first one for the offense is Amir Smith Marset. Wide receiver, Iowa. Little little salty with him. He was once okay. a Rutgers commit, but then went out to Iowa. Went to uh I always butcher the name of this high school the high school. Wequahick. We quit yeah, they gotta fix their name is what they got it. Right now, my buddy Greg Good is laughing at me. It is the uh the, the Wequitians, the fighting Wequitians. It's not Pequank. It's not Pequank, no. no. Uh, six feet and a half, 181, ran a 4-3-40. He's also really good uh, special teamer. So I think, you know, you have, in, in later rounds, you want to get value. And to me, one of the ways you get value is guys that have special teams abilities. And that's one thing that Smith-Marset has. Number two, uh, Drew Dahlman, center for Stanford, 6'3", 295. 
his the knock on him is the height or excuse me the weight um you know he's not 300 pounds he's probably going to struggle with the gigantic three four nose tackles and but a guy and look you if you're coached up by david shaw you're at stanford you're smart you're good what jj ortega whiteside okay but that's a receiver I'm talking about linemen. They okay. always produce solid linemen. So, uh, you know, to me, I, I, I really like this guy. Plays with great leverage. Just He's a tactician. He's got to get stronger. He's probably got to get a little bigger. I think he can do that. Uh, next, number three, is Frank Darby, wide receiver, Arizona State. Played his high school ball at Lincoln High School in Jersey City. One of the few public schoolers play in Jersey City that didn't go to St. Peter's Prep. Uh, six feet, 200 pounds. Knock on him is he ran a 4.56 and a 4.5840. So not quite the speed demon, but this is a guy super competitive. I watched this guy. Uh, to me, Arizona State, I don't know if you agree, Mike. Obviously, this year was a little different. Arizona State is always that team that plays late night, Fox Sports 1, and, you know, the game starts 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So you always get to watch. And this is a guy who came up with monster plays, almost single hand. He was actually the guy more so than Brandon Ayuk, who was a first-round pick, who took down Oregon two years ago. Really, you know, just a super competitive. I, I like him. He's going you know, to find a way to get separation, even in spite of the fact he doesn't have blazing speed. Uh, number four is a guy Mike and I actually saw play this year. Um, Jake Funk, running back from Maryland, 5'10, 205, ran a 4'4, 340. And I gotta say, I was, he was probably, there was a few players from Maryland, I, I, I don't want to talk about who were playing incredibly dirty. They're a dirty game. bunch of fucking pricks. Fuck them. You know what? The quarter, Rutgers quarterback is not healthy. Because yes. some jackass gave him the Kurt Angle ankle lock, yeah, and and snapped his ankle. They can get my ass. That's true, but Jake Funk didn't do that. Um, to me, I just I find him to be when I watch him, I see Rex Burkhead. Uh, similar so, size, similar yeah. speed, good good out of the backfield, brings you special teams coverage ability. So I think this is a guy that's worth taking in the sixth or seventh round. Last one for me, this that this is probably the one out of all five of my offensive sleepers. I think he's going to be drafted first, and that's Stone Forsyth. Oh, uh, offensive tackle for Florida. He was Kyle Trask's left uh, tackle. 6'8", 307, actually ran a 5'1", 440. Uh, and he's starting to really shoot up the draft boards. Um, you know, I think what separates him from the guys who are ahead, particularly at 6'8", a little stiff, Needs to be able to bend a little bit better. Doesn't have great ankle flexion. But, you know, I think 6'8", you got a lot of tools to work with. He reminds me of another Florida guy, Max Starks, who had a hell of had a really good career for Pittsburgh. So those are my offensive guys. Yeah, Defense. 6'8", you can't, 6'8", 308, you can't, yeah, they can't, say you can't teach yeah. sides. Exactly, exactly. Um, my defensive players, um, a few of these guys have had, the reason that they're down on the draft boards is because of injury. And I think I, I am very confident that they're going to come back 
and that their best football is ahead of them. First guy is one of these guys, Deo Odiyingbo, defensive end for Vanderbilt, 6'6", 276 pounds. He tore his Achilles in the senior bowl, and he was really starting to come on well. So I don't know how much football he's going to be playing in year one. So the problem is you're really kind of drafting him to redshirt. But for a team that has a lot of picks, uh, this is a guy I would love to take in a fifth round, sixth round. His best football is ahead of him. He gets a little bit stronger. He is really, I think, a force to be reckoned with. And it's also there's uh, scheme versatility. He can play 4-3 end. He can play 3-4. He can play 3-4 end. You can do a lot of different things with him. Uh, next one, this guy is just an athletic freak. Milton Williams, defensive tackle, Louisiana Tech. 6'4", 284, Mike. You get, Mike, this one, they this was pretty much confirmed by all the scouts there. So 6'4", 284, 4'6", 240-yard dash. Where And where is he slotted? He's slotted a fourth, fifth round pick at this point? I he's he's probably so just like with Stone into this one with the way Stone Forsyth is sort of shooting up draft boards. I'd say of all of my defensive players, he's kind of shooting up the draft boards too. He's probably he might even be a third round pick now. I mean, Forsyth that's friggin' moving. That is like moving. Yeah, even had a six nine three three cone, which there are defensive backs that don't put up that those numbers, but. The thing is, the the production doesn't necessarily equal the workout. So are you just a workout warrior or, you know, is it that best football is ahead of you? It's always it's the same question with Jason Owe, the defensive end from Penn State, formerly of Blair Academy. Uh, Cameron McGrone, my number three sleeper, middle linebacker from Michigan, six feet, 234 pounds. You know, I wonder what he was going to run. He's recovering from an ACL injury. But this is a guy who was, you know, sideline to sideline in college, just super steady as she goes. Really like him. Think he's a playmaker. Think he's an NFL starter down the road. But again, he's got to come back from an ACL. Uh, the next one is really interesting. It's Paulson Adebo, cornerback from Stanford. Two years ago, he was considered the number one cornerback prospect. Um, and. Last year decided to come back. And so 6'1, 190, ran a 4'4'2. Very good technique. A lot of people didn't throw his way. He, he didn't have his 2020 was not great. So people are like, well, what's going on? I, you know, 2020 is going on. Exactly. So to me, I think you're going to get steal with him because he has fallen down draft boards. But it, Again, Stanford's a super smart, um, you know, except for the lone exception of J.J. Arfago-Whiteside, um, which Eagle fans, I'm sorry, I don't know. I just, I didn't really like him coming out either, but uh, hey, what are you going to do? He, uh, I think this is a hell of a pick, and I think he's a steal. Last one's a really interesting prospect, Tyler Shelvin, defensive tackle LSU. So he opted out of 2020. The, the issue with him has always been his playing weight. So he weighed in recently. He didn't work out, which I thought was a little weird. He weighed a 6'2", 350 pounds. Supposedly, that is lighter than what he played at in 2019, where he may have played in the 360 to 370 range. We're going to be, po- I'm like always, we're going to be posting pictures, recapping the episode, 
check it out at GL Stand Show. You will see Tyler Shelvin is an, an enormous man. The question with him is always his battle against the scale. You know, if he can stay at a reasonable weight, you have a quality first and second down nose tackle or, you know, one technique in a 4-3. And it's all about can he just, you know, be the demon of, of fast food, which is a shitty demon. So that is that is true. That's my that, that's my guy there. And you mentioned multiple times your draft board. Let the people know that your draft board is going to be coming out on our social media, our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at GL Stand Show. When he, when see. are we looking at that? Whatever you tell me. I actually just finished it last night. It is coming out. <laughs> so you're listening to this on Wednesday. You're going to get this Wednesday, five o'clock. The draft board is coming out. There you go. It's time to hit our two-minute warning, a rundown of the college football recruiting rankings, rankings, as well as some news that we have not touched on. Uh, news that it's not good, but uh, Britt Reed, son of former Eagles head coach, Kansas City Chiefs coach uh, Andy Reed, was uh, charged with drunken driving in re- in relation to the accident right before the Super Bowl. Felony uh, drunk driving. Felony drunk driving, yeah. So he was involved in the three-car crash that injured five-year-old Ariel Young. That She was in a bad, bad way and still is in a bad, bad way, but was in a coma till two till February 15th, so a little over two months ago. Uh, Britt Reed was going 83 miles an hour and had a blood alcohol content of 0.113. This was coming from the chief's facility. Yes, so there were two cars pulled over. One car was assisting, one family was assisting another family with their car pulled over, and then he was traveling 83 miles an hour, intoxicated, and this is his second DUI. So that on top of it, there's that. And and as people in the Delaware Valley know, tragically, you know, Andy Reid lost one son, and the Reid sons have dealt with... Um, substance abuse issues for for several years was it Britt who was the one who was traveling through Conshohocken I I think it was uh, I'd, yeah. have to, I'd have to look it up but it's not that may have been the DUI it, I think it, I think it was I think it was we we you know thoughts and prayers to the family of, of Ariel Young hopefully yeah. she can get some semblance of normal life here no parent wants that yeah. uh, let's take a quick look at the college recruiting rankings the composites from 247 Sports. Note it was updated on 419, but number 10, I think this is pretty much holding steady from last week. Number 10, Florida State. Number nine, Texas. Number eight, Oklahoma. Number seven, Penn State. Number six, Rutgers. Number six, Rutgers. Number five, Texas AM. Number four, Notre Dame. Number three, LSU. Number two, the Ohio State University, and number one, the Georgia Bulldogs. So, wait, just to clarify, who were the six and the seven teams? Rutgers was six, Penn State was seven. What we've got coming up here on this show is our next week Eagles Giants drafts previews. We're going to do a double dip and in our three round mock draft and some post draft coverage. Um, Mike, that's Brett. We'll see you later.